Good morning, Grace Covenant. Thank you for joining us today, Grace Online. What a privilege to be able to get into the Word with you today. As we are concluding um, this series, Gods at Wars, we've been talking about the things that war for our hearts and the challenge that we have oftentimes finding ourselves with divided devotion or divided allegiance. We're going to finish our series talking about that today. And I want to begin with a story. There's a story of uh, of two men who hike like deep into the woods on this Camping adventure, um, are looking forward to the time that they're going to spend out enjoying the nature and the wonder of God's creation. They wake up the first morning, they're having a cup of coffee when they see off, the, off in the distance this wild grizzly bear running at full speed toward them. And one of the men immediately grabs his bag, pulls out his running shoes and starts to put on his running shoes. And and the second man says to the man putting on his shoes, says, what are you doing? Oh, you realize that there's no way you can outrun that grizzly bear. And to that, the man says, I don't have to worry about outrunning the grizzly bear. I only have to worry about outrunning you. Now, obviously, that's probably not a a true story, but I think it illustrates for us a problem with humanity and, and what could be a problem in your relationship with God. Certainly, at times, it's been a problem in my relationship with God as, as I've identified this little God at times that pops up in my life that I have to confront. Well, as we're concluding this series, God's at War, this last little God that actually can, can become a big God that we want to talk about that can keep us from fully following Jesus is the God of me. Um, the challenge oftentimes with us getting caught up in uh, the pursuit of what we want. You know, as we've discovered throughout this series, there's this ongoing conflict. Again, the battle's for your heart. The battle is for, like, who or what will you worship? In this war, we can be so self-consumed, we can be so self-seeking and so self-absorbed that we're actually worshiping self rather than worshiping God. And if we're not careful, we can be so consumed with promoting ourselves that we we forget it's really not about us, it's really about God, but we want to make it about us. And that's where this challenge of the idol of me uh, and self-seeking comes in. You know, we see this, we see this trend illustrated in a somewhat recent practice called selfies. Uh, a selfie is a self-portrait digital photograph typically taken with a smartphone. Selfies are then often shared on social media or, uh, or via social networking services, uh, Services such as Facebook or Twitter or Snapchat, Instagram. And it's when we, we take pictures of ourselves and then we post them so that the world can see us. And it's interesting today there's, and you can check this out, there's selfie sticks, there's selfie photo booths, there's selfie phone cases, selfie mirrors, uh, photo mirrors, selfie phone holders, and even selfie photo frames. Now, all of this is available so we can take photos of ourselves and promote ourselves or present ourselves to others. Now, this is not a a sermon against selfies, so if you've taken a few and posted a few lately, don't feel guilty. But this is what I know about humanity, including myself. If we're not careful, we can make life all about us. We can get so big in our own eyes that we actually lose sight of God. Or we can become so consumed with self-seeking what we want that we have like no space left for God in our lives. And at that point, this is what you've done. You've made an idol out of you. Now, ego can can be a problem. 
And what we would understand that, you know, there's the healthy side of, of ego and that we want to be confident. We want to be confident in who we are. We want to have a, a, a healthy self-image. But, but if we're not self-aware, we can allow our ego actually to mislead us. And a big ego gets us in trouble in that we begin to think more highly of ourselves than we should. We begin to seek what we want and what we think we need rather than seeking God. Now, here's a great acronym for ego, E-G-O. Think of it as this. If you're not careful, your ego can actually edge God out. Edge God out right, of your, right out of your life. And when we live our lives self-centered and self-focused and we're self-absorbed, what happens is just that. We edge God out of our lives. When we worship the God of me, it's no longer about what God wants, but it's about, it's about what I want. You know, Oswald Sanders once said this. Listen as I read this quote. Egotism is one of the repulsive manifestations of pride. It's the practice of speaking much of oneself, the habit of magnifying one's attainments and importance. It leads one to consider everything in relation to himself or herself rather than in relation to God and the welfare of his people. That, my friends is the danger of the God of me. So this morning, we want to confront the God of me. Now, in this series of messages, what we've discovered is that a God is anything that we sacrifice for or anything that we, that we would pursue. It's anything that we elevate above the pursuit and priority of the one true God. So really critical that we understand this. Anything or anyone can become an idol, once it becomes this, a substitute for God, once it takes the place of God in our lives, that that thing, that person, or even you, can become an idol. And at that time, at that point, we have a problem. At that point, we've allowed something to take precedence and priority of the place that God desires in our lives. That's why I would say today that idolatry is not just an issue of the past. I think it's an issue of the present. It's an issue that we need to be aware of. Because again, if we're not careful, we can have divided hearts. We can have divided devotion. We can have divided allegiance. And that we're giving something or, or, or someone else that place of priority in our lives. And one of the key competitors for our hearts is self. You know, there's the Lord God, the master of creation, And there's the God of me, the pretender to the throne. The question is this, whom will you serve? Like, are you pursuing what God wants? Are you pursuing what you want? Are you living your life promoting yourself? Are you living your life to promote God? Are you consistently telling God's story or like you consistently telling your story? You know, in case you've not figured this out yet, there's one God and you're not him. The God of me is one that you're going to grapple with like every single day, multiple times per day. Why? Because you're always with you and you can't get away with you. And wherever you are, that's where you're at, right? You've probably figured that out by now. And so there's this constant tension. Hey, what we like, if we're honest, if we be honest today, what we like is we like telling our story. We like for others to applaud us. We like to have our own way and, and get our own way. Um, we like to win. I mean, all of that's a part of um, what could be dangerous for us in that we give in to self-worship or that me becomes a God that distracts me and my, and my pursuit of the one true God. 
Now here's, the, here's, I think, an additional challenge even beyond that. We process life today in a culture that wants you to believe it's all about you. I mean, just watch some advertisement. In the next couple of days, as you're listening to the radio or as you're watching TV, just think about the advertisement from the perspective of what, what do they want it to be about? They want it to all be about you. I mean, you're encouraged to look out for yourself, um, to love and promote yourself. You're really encouraged to uh, like get what you want. And all of that can feed something really unhealthy in our lives. And before we know it, we can be living for ourselves rather than really living for God. You know, it's interesting that in Mark 8, 34, Jesus would say this. Listen to the words of Jesus. He says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. Notice, this is what Jesus said. He says, we must deny ourselves. He, he, He didn't say you must promote yourself. He didn't say, hey, live for yourself. No, this is what he said. If we're going to follow him, it requires us to die to ourselves, to deny ourselves. Well, from the very beginning, going back to the beginning of the world, the beginning of creation, we see this conflict playing out. So like, this is not a new issue, not an issue that's just come about since we've started taking selfies and posting them. This goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. I mean, God created Adam and Eve, and he placed them in this amazing garden where they had everything that they needed. I mean, God blessed them with so much for their enjoyment, uh, and he gave them the free will to choose. And in this, we see at the beginning the enemy coming with this point of distraction, this deception about the God of me. And we see it playing out in the creation story. Matter of fact, let's read Genesis chapter 3, the first five verses. Listen how the scripture reads. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. This was the tree of, of the knowledge of good and evil. That's what she's referencing. It goes on to say, you will not surely die, the serpent said. For, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, here's the deception. The enemy's coming with this lie, trying to distract Adam and Eve from what they were created. They were created to live in relationship with a the creator. They were created to live in relationship with God. Yet the enemy comes with this point of deception. Actually, there's three lies. There's three lies that we find that the enemy brought. And I want to just qu- quickly bring these lies for you because I think they're lies that we still have to deal with today. I think the enemy is still using some of the same strategy of deception to deceive us to bowing to the God of me. Here's the first lie that the enemy brings, that God's holding out on you. And that's what we see. The enemy brings this temptation. He's saying, hey, did God really say you can't eat from that tree? In other words, he's saying, hey, there's more, and God's holding out for you. He has something better. He just doesn't want you to experience the better. So that's why he's saying there's this tree you can't eat from. God's keeping the best from you. 
And I think Satan still uses this lie today. He wants, this, he wants us to believe that, that God's holding out on us. He's keeping something from us. He wants to turn our eyes from the goodness of God like to the wants we have. So we make it about us. Here's a second lie that Satan brought to Adam and Eve. You have everything to need, you need to be your own God. In other words, you can be your God. Why do you need to, why do you need to follow the one true God? You, you, I mean, like you can, you, if you eat this fruit, then you could transform your position and you could actually become like God. You could be in control. That sounds enticing, doesn't it? You could be in control. You could be your own God. And I think that's the subtle lie that Satan's still using today. He wants people to believe that they really don't need God. That they can just be fine without God because they can be their, their own God. Again, you can call the shots in your life. Here's a third lie that, that Satan presented, that what's important is you, not God. I mean, that's in this subtle deception as he comes asking the question, did God say you really can't eat from that tree? See, Satan so deceived Adam and Eve that he got them to believe that it was really all about them. What was most important was their satisfaction. It didn't matter what God said. What really mattered was what they wanted. And if, if what they wanted conflicted with what God said, then they should, they should live for themselves and not for God. And this, again, is like a huge lie today that's misleading people. See, they've come to believe that, that what's most important is life is what they want. Not what God said, but what they want. Therefore, they live for themselves and they gratify themselves with whatever they want. And they do this because they think, well, what's most important to them is what really matters. If we're not fully aware, then we can fall prey today to the same lies. The same lies that Adam and Eve fell prey to. When the enemy came tempting, wanting them to make it all about them, they bought into the lie, and as a result, it, it brought about the fall of humanity. And again, the same thing can happen today. The enemy wants us to make it all about us. And in that, what happens? We edge God right out of our lives. The God of me becomes the idol. It becomes the thing that you're living your life for. So dangerous, so deceptive. So as we think about and we think about the challenge of the God of me, and maybe you're wondering, well, is that really an issue in my life? But let me just give you some symptoms. Some symptoms that show up in our lives when the God of me edges himself onto the throne of my heart. In other words, the God of me takes the place on the throne of my heart rather than God taking that rightful place. What are some of the symptoms? I think the first is arrogance. In other words, there's this point of pride. You think you're always right and your way is best. In other words, you, you can't listen to others. You can't receive counsel for others. It's like you're always right and your way is always right. Why? Because obviously it's all about you, right? And there's a symptom of arrogance. Here's the second symptom. It's insecurity. You feel insecure in who you are. You're consumed with, with what others think about you, how you present yourself. Um, I think that's one of the reasons we, pay, we post so many selfies today. We, we want people to, to think well of us. We're, there can be this point of insecurity, and so we're trying to promote ourselves. We're trying to promote an image of how we want individuals to perceive us, and many times that flows out of an insecurity. It's an insecurity because you're, you're not sure of who you are, and you're struggling with this God of me. Here's the third symptom, loneliness. You eventually run others off because it's all about you. 
In other words, people get sick of you because you want it to be all about you. It's like it's your world. Everyone else is just living in it. And after a while, people get tired of that. So you find yourself doing life alone. Could it be possibly that there's this idol, the God of me? That's like push people away from you. Hey, here's a final, I think, symptom oftentimes of the God of me is self-seeking. You're always placing your needs and wants above others. In other words, you're seeking for yourself. You're not others. You're not concerned about others. You're not others focused. You're actually self-focused. And, and listen, we don't like to think about that. We don't like to talk about that because obviously we don't, we don't want to think that we're self, so self-focused or we're self-promoting. But again, oftentimes that's what happens. We're living for, we're living for the God of me. And I think it, again, if we're honest this morning, if we could just do a, an assessment from time to time, maybe more at more times than others, but we all struggle with this to some degree. So, so how can we, how do we consistently dethrone the God of me? How do we address, how do we confront this God of me that can become like this idol in our lives? I, I want to leave you with, with three points of application. As we look to God's word, how do we confront this idol, this God of me. I, I think the first thing is this. Daily acknowledge your need for God and passionately pursue Him. You know, a great way, a great way to begin every day is simply to connect with God and declare that you need His help. You need His guidance. You need His grace. You need His power. You need His provision. Listen, you don't have to make it difficult. Don't make it complicated. It's simply, man, starting every day saying, God, I, I need your help today. Left to myself like I'm in a world of mess. I'm in trouble. So simply acknowledging your inability to process life on your own. But it's a statement. It's a statement of your, of your need for God. You know, I came across this morning prayer that, 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 that may be helpful for you. Let me just read this prayer. Dear Lord, so far I've done all right. I, I haven't gossiped, gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or overindulgent. I'm really glad about that, but in a few minutes I'm going to get out of bed, and from then on I'm going to need a lot more help. And maybe that's a prayer we can start with. Because if we look to the reality of life, Man, what we need help. So just starting your day acknowledging, God, I need you. And just that acknowledgement of, God, I need you, helps dethrone this God of self. And then beyond declaring your need for God, there's this concept of passionately pursuing God. Just that every day we're in this pursuit of God, saying, God, I want you to be greater in my life. I want your lordship in my life. That we're pursuing him in a way that God's becoming greater in our lives. And that's certainly the Apostle Paul, his approach and his relationship with God. Matter of fact, he wrote about this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. And when you listen out of the scripture reads, Paul says, What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith and in Christ the righteousness that comes from God in is by faith. But Paul is saying, hey, I count everything else lost that I may know Christ. What there is this passionate pursuit of Christ. So how do we confront this God in me? I, I think first and foremost, there's this daily acknowledgement. God, I need you. 
And then consistently we're passionately pursuing him that God might be greater in our lives. Here's a second way that we can dethrone this God of me. It's this, die daily as you confront the desire to make it all about you. Now, obviously, we're not talking here about dying physically, but we're talking about dying to yourself, dying to your your selfish pursuits. See, if we're honest, there's this internal struggle we all have to deal with to some degree, and it's the desire to make life like all about us. I mean, we want what we want. We want others to do what we want. It's um, uh, We want others to agree with us. We want others to serve us. And we all have to deal with this because there's this tendency of our humanity. And that's why the scripture talks about this whole concept of dying, that we're dying to ourselves. So what do we need? If I can say it like this, what, what we need every day is we need a good funeral. And the funeral is this. It's the death of myself. I'm dying to my, my self-promotion. I'm dying to my, my selfish desires. I'm dying to this desire to make life all about me. Now in Luke chapter 9, verse 23 and 24, Jesus said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily. What There's this daily process of taking up our cross. And he says, follow me, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for me will save it. So what Jesus was talking about, this daily process of, of dying to ourselves. And then in, in 1 Corinthians 15, 31, the Apostle Paul said this, I die every day. I mean that, brothers, just as surely as I glory over you in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, obviously, Paul's not talking about physical death. He was not talking about he physically died every day and he's resurrected. No, he, what he was talking about, death to self. Death to that that desire to, again, promote ourselves, to make it all about us. What do we need to do? We need to die daily as we confront this desire within us to want to make it all about us. So we're confronting it. We're calling it what it is. And we're choosing when we're choosing to crucify the flesh. That's what we're talking about. And again, that's not always fun. That's not always pretty. But what I've come to discover is if we're going to dethrone the God of me, then what do we need? Hear me, friend. We need a good funeral every day as we're dying to these selfish desires that, that uh, wage war with our hearts. Here's a third way I think that we can dethrone the God of me, and I'll leave you with this third point, is this. Seize the opportunity to serve others, affirm others, and elevate others. So in other words, you're looking for the opportunity to make it about others, not about you. You know, 1 Corinthians 10, 10, 24 says this, nobody should seek his own good, but seek the good of others. So in other words, you're not living for yourself, you're looking to the goods of others, uh, and then Philippians 2, verse 3 and 4 talks about doing nothing out of selfish ambition or in vain conceit, but in humility consider, get this, others, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. So what, rather than being self-focused and self-consumed, the Scripture calls us to be others-focused. I, I think the model is the model of Jesus Christ himself. Obviously, he wasn't thinking about himself when he went to the cross. What was he thinking about? He was thinking about others. He was thinking about you. In other words, he laid down his will for your good, for your benefit. 
And even, even before he went to the cross, in John chapter 13, we have Jesus washing the disciples' feet. I mean, he's getting ready to face the cross. But what was his focus? His focus was others. And out of that, he's serving, he's serving the disciples. Even, I mean, think about this. He's washing the feet of, of the very one who's going to deny him, Peter. He's washing the feet of the very one that's going to betray him, being Judas. I mean, here's the model. Jesus was others-focused, and I think that's the model for our lives. So how do we dethrone the God of me? I really think it's by looking for the opportunities. And listen, they're, they're everywhere every day. Every day there's opportunities for you to encourage others, affirm others, bless others, serve others, for you to get your eyes off yourself and really to live out your life as a way of serving and blessing others. Again, that's, that's the way of Christ. You know, one of, my, one of my daily prayers and goals in life, and I pray about this literally every morning, is God, help me to be a life giver. Help me to be a bucket filler. Help me to be a lid lifter. Help me speak words that give life. Because the scripture says that there's power of, of both uh, life and death in the tongue. Lord, help me to be a life giver. Lord, help me to be a bucket filler. Help me to add value. Help me to affirm others. And the third thing I, I ask every day, Holy Spirit, help me to be a lid lifter. Help me to lift the lid on the lives of others, helping them be all that the, that you've created them to be. And in that what? I, I'm trying not to live for myself. And listen, friend, I have the same struggles you do. Every once in a while, to be honest, I like for it to be about me. But, but I'm, I'm trying to deal with that, the God of me in my life. And every day I'm trying to figure out, okay, how can I, how can I keep my focus on God? Focus off of me and focus on God. And again, I think if, if you're honest today, that's probably a challenge for you at times as well. So what do we want to do? We want to dethrone the God of me and we want to set our focus on the one true God. He's the one that we want to passionately pursue. And so this morning, as we wrap up our time, I, I want to take you back to a scripture that we've closed every, every service with, or every service within this series. It's Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24, where the psalmist says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. Let me say it another way. See if there's a God of me. See if there's an idol that I've built in my life where I've made it all about me and then lead me in the everlasting way. And in other words, God, today we're making a, a course adjustment. We're dethroning the God of me and we're coming back to embrace Lord Jesus, that of your Lordship in our lives. Today we're, we're simply making this statement. We don't want it to be about us, God. We want it to be about you. Holy Spirit, help us walk that out. Because as I said, listen, folks, this is everyday stuff. This is what you're wrestling with every day. Are you going to make it about you or are you going to make it about God? Are you going to tell your story? Are you going to tell God's story? Are you going to promote yourself or are you going to promote God? See, that's every day. It's every day choosing. And we want to set a Holy Spirit. Help us to set our hearts to honor God in our lives. Well, let me pray with you about it. Lord, today we would simply say as individuals are sitting in their living room watching this right now or maybe as they're um, at the kitchen table watching as they're listening, driving down the road. God, I, I just ask that you would search our hearts. Lord, look into our... God, if there's places in our lives where we've made it all about us. I know that's not popular to say and that's a, even, a, even a bit painful to acknowledge. But God, if we've made it about us, 
If we've been promoting ourselves and wanting everything to be our way and just really, Lord, so promoting me that we're edging you out of our lives. God, we repent of that today. God, forgive us. Forgive us for at times buying into the lie of the enemy that says we can be our own God. Forgive us, Lord, for falling prey to to that deception. God, we today simply repent. Forgive us, I pray. And Holy Spirit, help us to be self-aware. Because again, this is happening Lord, consistently in our culture where we're being misled. The enemy is deceiving us, saying, oh, it can be all about you. Holy Spirit, help us to see that. Help us to identify it. Help us to confront it, Lord, that we keep our focus on you. And Holy Spirit, beyond that, help us not only to see, but to seize those opportunities to serve others, to affirm others, to bless others, to elevate others as we follow the very model of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, help us to that ends, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. May God just bless and prosper your life. And as he blesses you, hear me, my friend, never forget he's blessed you to be a blessing. Have a great day.